It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. 1-300-01-1170 to have your say. We're now joined by coaching royalty in many ways, the great man Tim Sheens. Now, Tim Sheens, uh, as you'd appreciate, last night Craig Bellamy notched up game 500 and uh, he becomes, well, not becomes, he's been a coach for many, many years now, but one of those many players who came underneath Team Sheens who became a coach. And I'm pleased to say that the man who is to blame for all of this is the great Tim Sheens, and he's on the line. G'day, Tim. G'day, Joel. Yeah, it is a bit of a blame when you see Craig go off. <laughs> how did you feel last night watching him? Uh, you know, How did it make you feel that he was there for Game 500 and he won in such a thrilling manner? Yeah, well, I'd been down to Melbourne on Monday night and had dinner with them. Uh, there was a small dinner of about 20 or 30 people for him, um, Joel, and it, it was, um, he was, um, you know, in his element, it was pretty casual, as he always is, and uh, quite a few people that had sort of been around him and involved with him. I think Cameron, Cameron Smith and Billy were there, Billy Slater, a lot of the old ex-players as well. So uh, it was a good night. So, you know, I, I sort of pined for the Thursday night as of Monday night, so... Um, but to win it in the way they did, you, <laughs> he got up, walked away from the uh, screen, from the seat, and he was up and down, up and down. They made him earn it, didn't they? Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you what, uh, Tim, Craig Bellamy in Melbourne, almost as popular as Scotty Sattler now. Scotty Sattler, of course, a great Panther like yourself. We're here. It's the Panthers taking on the Dragons. He's gone to the Brasco, and he's been inundated, ankle-tapped like you took down Toddy Burns. That's uh, great to have you back for Timmy Sheen's chat. Sugar, hey, Sheensy, how are you? Very good, Sats, and you? Very well, very well. And That's I don't know right. whether, Joel, you've already asked the question. Ask but away. I've got to say, last week, Sheensy, with the uh, the first-round game against Melbourne, that first half, that expansive st- style that you played, remind me a little bit of 05. Yeah, well, Madge, uh, Madge didn't want to play him down the middle, and it was smart, you know, in respect to, you know, what they're like with a one-out runner. It'll be three in piles on. Um, so he moved the ball to the edges to, through his back, to his back rowers, um, both lots of ball base were uh, strong in attack in particular. So, uh, yeah, different style to what I think Melbourne expected and there, and gave us an advantage there for a little while where we got in front. Yeah, Michael Maguire, of course, another of those who have come through the Tim Sheen's legacy, as so many have. But just before we get off Craig Bellamy and his achievements, I mean, I think there's no question the last 20 years he's been the numero uno, uh, Craig Bellamy, did you see that as a coach, Sheensy? Like when you looked at those players and you think about all those that have gone on to coach, you know, Kevin Walters and uh, Laurie Daly, mm. Ricky Stewart, Madge, the list goes on, and I'm sure I've missed more than a few. Did he, in hindsight, it's probably easy to see, but at the time, could you see him as the most likely candidate? No, no. I, I thought uh, Craig and Dean Lance, who Craig got the 21s and Dean got the reserve grade there in the, in the uh, early 90s. And then both guys were very super fit, keen on the gym and things. I thought that's where they'd end up. And Craig started that way when he went up to, after he had the coaching gig with me, 
um, with the 21s, he went to Brisbane as a uh, basically a strength and conditioning coach. Um, so, uh, and then graduated because there were no assistant coaches then. You used your reserve grade and your 21s coach as, um, you know, with support. Uh, you picked the teams that way after first grade, went second grade, went to third grade or 20s. So, um, Craig was in that was in that area. So, but when he went to Brisbane, of course, he got a chance to um, work a little bit with Wayne, and then gradually that led to you know a bit of assistant coaching, which really no coaches were really doing at that point. So um, that's where he started. But you, you don't know. I always say, can a guy play? If someone says, can he play? I said, ask me in five years. Mm. And can he coach? Ask me in five years. And if they're still doing it, they can, because those hundred games. Uh, of 100 games that either make or break you, and uh, particularly as a coach. And uh, he went straight to, from from Brisbane, he went straight to first grade coaching. He didn't do the, yeah, through the ranks and what they do these days with, and then you had, of course, um, uh, you know, all your assistant coaches and that, that sort of a pathway rather than go through res- the state cup or the reserve grade. Uh, they generally come from there, and uh, he didn't do that as such in, in any great degree. It wasn't formal anyway. So, yeah, it, you don't know, but at the end of the day, um, he's certainly uh, well down the track, and he's uh, he's been successful, so he can catch, and that's how you determine it. Basically, you, in my opinion, at least your first five years, if not more. Sats, it's interesting that Sheensy says that, and you think about Trent Robinson, who he's not where Bellamy is, but he's tracking a similar path. Mm. He had an option to go and be the head of performance. And that's really what he was training to do when he was playing football. And that mm. was his main goal, to go to Perth for the Western Force. But he ended up going over to France. But it's funny how that sliding doors happens, isn't it? Yeah, well, listen, that, that interview, Tim, with, uh, with Craig Bellamy and, and Matty Johns about how there was a, a possible option of going to, going to the West Tigers yeah. before you took over. Mm. And he decided, no, he mm. didn't want to go to Sydney. And, and then... When you fast forward and he said that he learned so much about the psychological game and relationships through Wayne Bennett, the tactical um, part of the game through yourself, do you see that in his game now? Do you see that tactical component? Oh, yeah, he's, he prepares to the nth degree. Uh, and although I've not sat in on a session as a first-rate coach, you talk to any of the players that, I've, that have come from Melbourne that I've worked with and they'll tell you that he's... He, he, takes it down to the nth degree. You know, there's, there's little things that he finds, weaknesses, you know, uh, in people, and they'll focus on that as part of their game plan. So, um, yeah, which is which is the sort of thing I, I've done and always done pretty well with you guys that know that. So sometimes too far. You can go too far and prepare uh, too tightly and those things rather than, you know, as Wayne said, just relax, play well, and um, and generally it takes a good team to beat you. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, he's 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 a full-on, you know, 100%. You can see it in his in his demeanour, you know, when he's watching a game and so on, and um, uh, gets highly emotional over it. He's he's and uh, you've heard some of his halftime talks. I've heard him from the other dressing room. <laughs> you'll know that, uh, you'll know that uh, he's unhappy that they're behind or they're not in front enough. Yeah. Nasheenzi, you know, going back on your playing days, and you had a tremendous career with Penrith, playing in the front row, and I suppose historically, not a lot of front front rows have gone mm. on to become long term coaches. I mean, not a large group of them anyway. You did. You had a, such a tremendous career in the coaching uh, coaching area as well. How far out from retirement did you know that you wanted to follow that path of coaching? 
Oh, Sats, so I didn't look. I, I, was, a, I was a schoolboy 5'8 uh, all, all my career and uh, centre and um, got to grade and uh, found that, um, that I was, wasn't quick enough. But I was big enough and I started in the second row and then coach at Penrith at the time, one of the eight I had in 13 years, eight <laughs> coaches in the 70s, uh, Bobby Boland said uh, he was a tight head prop and he said, look, you know, you're the right size strength for that. Um, you know, you need to sit on the short side of the scrum and hold, uh, hold onto the hook like hell, play up against your old man on that side of the scrum as well. <laughs> And um, which was one of my first games, believe it or not, uh, South Sattler, uh, Walters and O'Neill, um, <laughs> dawning for a 22-year-old. Yeah, so in, which are the days when you know you, you you didn't make, not many made grade at 18 or mm. in the forwards. You had to learn to scrimmage. We practiced scrimmaging so often it wasn't funny because it was an art that you had to be able to win not only your share of the ball but a, a bit of theirs as well. Uh, so the props in the back row, everyone worked together for the hooker, not just the hooker. You know. um, now, so yeah, so I, I basically had that as my background, mate. So Christian brothers, Morris brothers, uh, you know, tackle around the legs, um, playing outside, playing backs. Um, I had a kicking game, but I never used that. <laughs> never used that as a front <laughs> row. I think I did once. I chipped and uh, chipped over for. Um, I think it was Graham Moran. Anyway, Graham got it. Anyway, we ended up scoring, but the coach said uh, that's not going to happen again. So it didn't happen again. Um, Sugar, back but then. But no, with coaching, I didn't know. It was just offered to me. It was strange. I'd sort of played in the bush in 83 at Campbelltown in Group 6 and Southern Division and country first and seconds. First on a tour to New Zealand, seconds at Newcastle up against my old mate Royce Simmons, actually. Hmm. And um, Captain Country Seconds in that. Um, and then I, um, there was a bit of a seminar at Penrith that was struggling. They only had seven guys on contract. It was the 22nd of November, which I remember because they asked me to come. That was my um, uh, young son's second birthday. And I was told by the wife, don't be long or there was going to be trouble. <laughs> so they had a, had a meeting. And when I left, Royce, uh, Roger Cowan said to us, what should we do? And he said, you know, give him the job. As, co- as coach, so I got a wow. phone call the next day and got offered, um, I think it was $23,000 to be full-time coach. And wow. I think I'd be one of not, if not the first, one of the first full-time coaches um, in the game. And so I sat around preparing all day while the players come in at five o'clock. So end up doing all the um, S&C as well. Um and uh, all the drills at various things, even the even the staff. There's no full-time staff, uh, so I was a manager coach. I did the um, signing of players and everything at Penrith at the time. Chatting with legendary coach Timmy Sheens. Now, Sheensy, every single time now, and I blame you for this, every time I see a ball go dead, and quite often, Sats, you don't just see a ball go dead. It goes dead by postcodes. Mm. And every time I mm. see that, I think of Tim Sheens. And Tim's big thing is because, and this was even before the seven tackle sets, the punishment of that that we now have. But what you used to do, Tim, at training, you'd have Benji or Princey or Hodjo, whoever, the, maybe Robbie Farrah. You'd have little witches hats set up behind the goal line, right? And they'd only be set back a metre and a half or two. And, and Tim, your philosophy on that was that in a game, there's adrenaline, the heart's up, you're clearly going to kick it yeah. heavier. And every time I see a ball go over the dead ball line, I think, why does not every team do that? And how important it is now with the seven tackle set. You were well, always the innovator, Tim, weren't you? Mm. Well, 
I like to think outside the square um, if I can. If the, yeah, because if you're doing what everyone else is doing, or you're doing mm. what you did today, what you did yesterday, you're probably behind. You know, so and certainly if you do this year what you did last year, you are well behind because the game has moved forward. In the years I've been involved, I wouldn't put a percentage on it, but it's moved forward dramatically based on when I was playing, uh, let alone coaching in the early days. So, no, you've you've got... Well, the rules have changed too, Joel. You know, I mean, in the old days, um, you know, catching the ball in the end goal didn't mean a, 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 you, mm. you had to line drop out, you know. Um, Johnny Pids, the bomber, the great bomber, uh, Johnny Pid, uh, kicked so well that they had to change the rule. It was pretty fair... It's pretty fair sort of player when you change the rule for a particular player's skill. Uh, Eric Sims with the field goal, he kicked so many that they took it down to one point from two. Um, and I was playing in the game, he's kicked 12. at wow. and broke the record. So 12 <laughs> field goals with a with a, with a, a bit, dirty big black ball that looks more like a soccer ball than a football. You know what they wow. used to be like in those days, yeah. So, Tim, um, I like, to, I like yeah. to think outside the square like your good self. And uh, our listeners very much know that I get a bit quirky with things. And I, I, I have got an idea that there's a 20-40 off the kickoff where everyone's up, the fullback's up, and there's a 20-40 where generally the half catches. I think there's a 20-40 opportunity there. I, I still mm. can't believe why Darius Boyd has the pink boots under the post where he's the best catcher in the team. And you've got the kickoff of Kyle Feld in that grand final. Why is the best catcher not in the most likely spot to catch the ball? Poor old Benny Hunt drops the ball. But the other thing that I can't wrap my head around, Tim, and I'd love your insight into this... <laughs> The short kickoff, if practiced, you've got to get it mm. back close to 50% of the time. If practiced, it's mm. not a dropout. It's a kicking tee. It's stationary. It's an easy kick. You've got four mm-hmm. or five streaming through verse one. If you aim for, say, 12, 15 out, you've got a 50-50 about you having the ball 37, 38 metres out versus them having mm. it out 62 out. I, I don't understand why Rugby League has not invented more short kickoffs. Have you got a view on that? Yeah, well, our short kickoffs are sats. Remember, although I don't know if you were there, sats wasn't when uh, Paddy came on board. Um, we would yeah, use the, the first area year, 2004. In, yeah, in mm. midfield, that, that area that's abandoned. Everyone goes down the sidelines and on the goal line, and putting it behind the hooker uh, in that no man's land uh, and getting it to bounce awkwardly. Um, so, uh, Paddy. Um, uh, Paddy was good at getting the height, and and by the time I got there, we were there. We'd play two wingers either side of his kickoff and just chase the ball with speed, get as many there as possible. Because the way a ball bounces, it'll it'll bounce your way if you've got more people than they have. So, and the hooker's not real good at running backwards and catching it over his head. So, um, yeah. So in that area was my favourite short kickoff. Um, and if you do if you do kick one to the sideline, well, last night's one. What about that? It bounced and mm. bounced back in about into the field of play, at ten metres. But um, mm. yeah, is it, it, it's practice. The risk, you know, you got to risk things, but not be risky. If I can, yep. if you understand what I'm saying, risk is if you're not going to achieve anything without risk. You know, whether you're, you know. Uh, a racing car driver, anything in sport anyway, that's for sure. You've got to risk, even in investments and all sorts of things. But but it's practised. It's knowledge of it. It's making sure everyone knows the drill. Uh, it's practised to the point where it's not risky, but it's a risk. And that's uh, that's probably in everything, whether it's a shift early or a kicking goal or a special play, you know, run through the scrum, you know, all sorts of 
stupid things I've done, um, <laughs> but they're all risk. They're all player practice. So yeah. many people used to say, oh, that was risky, but it's not. Now, I'm not going to claim Benji's flick pass mm. <laughs> was, was something that was practiced, uh, particularly the way he passed it, because he passed it around his back instead of an inside flick, which is, you know, it's hard to explain on mm. radio, but if you can see the ball coming out of your hand, but with Benji's one, it went round his back. Yeah. So, you know, that, uh, that is, that is, and it just hit Paddy where it needed to hit him. But he does, he was like that bench with his passing drills and various things. He'd always come up with a fancy one, the chip and chase. We loved uh, Greg Alexander from my very first halfback mm. that I coached used to have that sort of speed. And if the fullback made a tackle and was stuck at marker, Greg would kick it on the next play. Um, hey, Tim, we've, no only, we've only got about 30 seconds, unfortunately. We'd love to have you for an hour. But just one real quick one. And, and there's a bit of a fiasco around at the moment with the HIA, which I'd love your two bobs on. I think it could be fixed where if the HIA player comes off, they must be replaced. They must replace the player who came on for them. And I'll give you an example. And Canberra, by the way, and Ricky, they were within the rules. Papa Lee last week goes off after 16 minutes. Corey Horsburgh goes on. Then Corey Horsburgh stays on the field when Papa Lee comes off. And it's Whitehead who comes off conveniently after mm. half an hour. And those two changes cost them zero interchange. For me, getting Whitehead mm. off after half an hour, it should cost an interchange. Do you think mm. if you move to that player having to substitute the player who came on for them, would that tidy up the HIA? Look, um... Uh, it could, but of course, what happens if you go on for the 10 or 15, it's 15 minutes, isn't it, he's mm. got. If you go on and get injured, what happens then? I'm just playing mm. devil's advocate. Yeah, there, I, I've thought if, about if that. If the I've player, player gets injured, you would yeah. have to have, you know, now, if to say, oh, well, yeah, that I understand, but he mightn't get injured. Yeah, but then they might, he might lay down to get injured, if it hurt, you know what I mean? So, yeah. it can, all those things can be abused, mate. It's just the uh, the clubs, the clubs have to have integrity. The coaches have to have integrity, um, and respect respect what we're doing here. You know, Royce Simmons is doing that walk for dementia. Yeah. We're getting head injuries. You know, if that's not telling people to be smart with these sorts yep. of things, um, then uh, yeah, they don't deserve to be in the game. So you know, it should be hunted out of the game if they're going to cheat those sorts of things. Mm. Yeah, well said, Timmy. We'll chat later, and, and we, we've, the board's lit up. We appreciate your time here, and uh, great to have you on in our relation. No problem, boys. All the best, thanks. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.